1 Peter chapter 2. <coughs> I will be coughing a little bit today, but I think I'm not going to pollute anymore unless you hang out with Zach and then like by the food chain thing, maybe I'll get you sick through Zach and his family or whoever goes on from there. It's a wonderful time of the year for sickness, isn't it? Um, this morning, uh, we're going to be talking about a passage that talks about intimacy with Christ. As we have come to know him, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ, what is your now relationship with him? And I want to encourage you that we're not just in relationship with Christ because you showed up at church here this morning. Um, there was a, a, during the Jesus movement in the 70s, there was a singer, Keith Green. And I don't know if he came up with it, but he was the person that I heard say this. He said, um, you're not a Christian just because you came to church, just like just because you're in McDonald's, you're not a hamburger, okay? Uh, and I thought that was a dumb example, but I loved it. I loved it. Uh, that, that's the same thing. It's that we have decided that we have responded to the love that God has for us, his kindness towards us, and saying, I'll give you the mess of my life that you might clean me up and make me holy, make me, bring me into relationship with yourself at the price of your son. That's the first step. And as we have trusted in him, he brings us into a new relationship with him. And it's an amazing thing. And we're going to see some things about it this morning. Uh, so if you turn to First uh, Peter chapter 2, um, I, want, I want to say something first before I, I, I go on. I ask you to stand. I, I'm going to ask you to stand. I ask you to stand each week. Um, I, I know some of you have been raised Catholic or Lutheran or some other standing, sitting, kneeling type uh, church. And I, I, I don't want it to get to be for you just something that we do. Uh, it's not anything special. It's not anything mi- mystical. But I hope that it's it's kind of like, uh, you know, uh, in kindergarten and first grade, your teachers were super creative and they helped you have things stand out and make it more interesting. I hope this makes it stand out to you that we are talking, we're reading the Word of God, uh, that this is something special. In the Old Testament, uh, after they had neglected the Word for a very long time, in the book of Nehemiah, uh, it says they, they brought the book of the law and they read it uh, for hours and giving the sense, even as we try to do here this morning, and they stood there. They stood there for hours. I'm not going to make you stand for hours. I'm not that great of a reader, to be honest with you. But um, we just want to make the Word of God stand out. If any of you here struggle standing, uh, we're not going to look at you and go, I can't believe they're not standing for the Word of God right now. Um, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, there's, uh, we're not great because we're standing. Uh, we're, it's because the Word of God is great that we're standing. So don't worry about any of those things. Enough said. Uh, If you would, if could stand, um, I'd like to read to you. (coughs) I'm going to start reading at verse 4 this morning. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, 
you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve, the the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and the stone of stumbling and the rock of offense. They stumbled because they disobeyed the word as they were destined to do. And God, we ask your blessing on your word this morning. We ask that you would help us to understand um, in such a way that we would be changed by it. God, help us not to uh, just do uh, understanding or reading or um, understanding grammar and what a message is, but rather that we would love your word right now and that it would be a change to our own heart. God, help us not to see the Bible as just another book. God, do your work in us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Our passage starts out this morning as you come to him. And, and, and this is this picture. This is this picture of intimacy. It's not that... Uh, uh, coming to him for the first time and trusting in him, but it's this as we draw near to him. And I want to tell you that it's um, when we come to know Christ, it's not that we come to know Christ and then go on our merry way. It's that we come to know Christ and we continually pursue him and he continually pursues us and we're in close and, and sweet relationship. And there's no part of our life that is separate from Jesus. Think about that. Um, I know that many of you have had separate lives before. Uh, you've had your school life that might be different from your home life. And then you might have a job along with that. And then you have a, a work life, a school life, and a home life. And friends from here and friends from there and activities that you do privately and then other things you do publicly. And there's all these different pockets or rooms in your life. And I want to tell you, when you've come to know Christ, it's all the same. It's him intimately involved in every area of your life. There's a problem with our society today. Uh, We're becoming more private we're, we're, we're looking inward. We're finding ways that we can go to our homes and hide from one another and, and only go out and, and, and show ourselves and be perceived as we want to be perceived and then withdraw again to a totally different. And I want to tell you, with Jesus, that's not what happens. It's that he uh, wants all of us. Uh, his work and his... <coughs> concern and love is for all of us. It's for our, our uh, time at church, but it's also for our time at home. It's 
our relationship with our wife or our husband, our relationship with our kids and our grandkids. It's the people we golf with or the people we work with. It's, it, it's the people that we interact with in the stores and at the schools. It, it's everywhere. It, it, it's relationship with him. And so for us to think that we could somehow hide, I, I realize that many of us uh, have a, a, a smartphone it doesn't make us any smarter. Um, and as we look at it, we think that we're in this private world for, for ourselves, and, and we're not. We're not. We've trusted in Christ. Whatever we're looking at and interacting with on the screen and even what goes out from there, from our accounts, is in relationship with Christ, and He wants to be a part, and He, he is the Lord of that. And so this morning, as we begin, we realize that this is an issue of intimacy, uh, that he's going to describe where we fit with Jesus. We start out this morning, and I'll just uh, have three points, because I always have three points. doesn't matter what passage it is, I can figure out there's three points, and sometimes there's five or seven, and sometimes I do 10 and 12, and the most I think I've ever done is 21, but... Uh, um, that was that was a unique thing, and it didn't go very well. So I, most of the time, I stick with three. Um, first point this morning: the living stone. The living stone. <laughs> As I think about this idea, living stone, and uh, this is Peter writing, and I can't help but think that uh, Jesus said to Peter, "Upon this rock, I'll build my church." And Peter's name being connected with rock and Petra and all this connection. And now Peter's writing about uh, stones. He's using two different words here, lithos as well as uh, Petra. And he's going back and forth, one being one that's fitted and shaped, ready to go, ready to be used even as a jewel or as a, a fitted stone for a place. And others being a, a common rock that you would find out in the field. But now Peter is talking about stones again. He's talking about rocks again. And uh, be careful the way we look at the Scripture. You know, Peter's writing this. It's his pen. It's in his hand. Uh, he's not, uh, you, we struggle with this idea of inspiration of God breathed because sometimes you think that uh, Peter's like, lost his mind and his hands just moving and he goes, I can't believe what I'm writing here. Uh, That's not how this happened. Uh, But it's also not that he wasn't engaged. He he knew that this was from God and so God breathed it out of him. And so Peter is connected to the message from God, the word of God, as it comes out through him as a vessel. Um, So this morning we see this. He says, as you come to him, And who do you come to? A living stone rejected by men. A living stone. Uh, This word living, he's going to bring this up again when he talks about these other stones as well. But the idea of a living stone, that doesn't make sense to us, right? The the idea of a rock, uh, I don't know if this is appropriate to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. Dumb as a box of rocks, right? What are we saying? We're saying there's nothing there, you know. There, it's just there's nothing to it. There's nothing alive in there. It's just a rock. But he's saying this is different. This is different. 
living stone, living stone. Uh, Undoubtedly, he was connecting this to pagan religions that they were familiar with, where they would go into a temple that many times was made of stones or, or, or crafted together, and there would be a, a monument uh, made of stone, and it would be sitting there, and they would worship it, and it was dead. There was nothing, no life to it. And so as he describes what it is that uh, how we come to him, how we are <laughs> in relationship with Christ, he says, as we come to him, a living stone rejected by men. It's contrasted to the deadness of pagan religion that dead people worshipped dead stones shaped into dead images. There was just deadness, deadness, deadness in their religion. And now he says, even the stones, even the stone that we is a living stone. You get this picture too that it is rejected by men. This will flow throughout the passage that this living stone, being Jesus, is rejected by men. And, and the picture here is of a builder. Um, the, as a builder, you know, in biblical times, they most of the time built with stones or timbers. It wasn't as easy to get lumber <coughs> is, as it is today. Uh, many of you have gone to a, a lumber yard or Home Depot and, and you've looked for lumber. Right, and you've chosen pieces, and uh, if you—I don't want to talk too much about this—but if you've gone to Home Depot and you've wanted a nice piece of lumber, uh, it might be for a long afternoon, you know. Uh, and you're you're going like this, and you're going like this, and uh, and you're saying, "I just can't find one." And and there's pieces that are rejected. I I think it's always funny too. They I don't know if they still have it, but in the back they have. Uh, pieces that you know are marked down or broken or whatever, and you can get them at a low price. And uh, those are the rejects. Those are the rejects. They're good for nothing. And uh, this is what this stone is. It's as if the builder's seeking to uh, put stones together, and he looks upon this one stone, and he says, "This is useless," and throws it aside. Useless. But this one living stone, Jesus himself, (coughs) um, it is rejected by men, yet it's a living stone, different than the pagan religions that are dead, right? It's a living stone. It's been rejected, but it says this, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. So men, man builders, contractors, none of, none of the ones here today, but like the contractors of the day were doing what they wanted to do. They were building what they wanted to build. And they looked upon Jesus and they said, he's rejected. We can't use him. And yet God himself looked upon his son. And how did he see him? Chosen and precious. Uh, for those of you who have been in our study, that word chosen is there again, right? This is not uh, is part of the plan of God, that he was chosen in a specific and important and, and purposeful way like no other. He was chosen to be the redeemer 
to be the one that would stand in your place and in my place. It's part of the plan of God. Um, it also uses the word precious. It's going to re- repeat this, chosen and precious. The second word, precious, it's, it's the idea that if you're looking upon a, a pile of rocks or jewels and they were looking upon all these of value and there was this picture of picking one out and saying, this is the one that is above all other. This, be, not, not because, now, for instance, uh, let me get a little personal here. For those of you who have had children or grandchildren, uh, do you remember when they were born? Do you remember when they were born? And when you, you, you looked upon them in the hospital and they were just babies and, and you said, oh, they're just so beautiful. They're just so beautiful. And as a pastor, um, I look upon your child and I, I, I apply all the wealth of Scripture that I know that they're valuable. And, and, and I never say, you know, they're kind of homely looking, you know. I, I, I was just thinking about some of the other babies, but like that one right there, you know, there's a phrase, right? A face only a mother could love, right? <laughs> you, you know what that is, right? That's the mother. That's the mother placing worth upon the child. This is not what that is. This stone is precious because of the internal worth of Jesus. Jesus was worthy. He was precious. And and as we gazed upon him, as we could see him in Scripture, as he was born, as he lived, there was a sense of infinite worth to Jesus. He was chosen. He was also precious. And so the worth of Christ is applied not just for a single man, but because of his infinite worth of all mankind of all who would come. <clears throat> As we consider this, uh, he presents to us a living stone, and then in verse 5, he talks about other living stones. Um, if it's helpful for you, uh, capitalize the first living stone and leave lowercase the second in verse 5. Reason being... He now says that this living stone that's chosen by God, Jesus himself, now in verse 5 he says, you yourselves, you people, you who have trusted in Christ. And this morning, uh, if you've trusted in Christ, this is the you yourselves. This is us here this morning. Where are we? Uh, there, there is the living stone. We know that he is chosen and precious. Now he is including us and he's saying, you too. Let's talk about you now. These other living stones, you yourselves like living stones. Well, we're like the living stone. We're other living stones. How are we like that? He says this, <laughs> you yourselves living stones. And once again, living being different than dead pagan religion. I, I want to tell you that uh you know, I love it when we use the word alive or life. Some people have it in their the name of their church. Great. Yeah, I think it's important because it reminds us that we are alive. We are not dead. Uh, it's not dead religion that we are a part of. We look at the scripture. We are not dead in our sins. 
We are alive in Christ. We're living stones. And as he sees this, he says, let me picture for you (coughs) how you are living stones. He says, uh, verse 5, he says, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. He, he pictures the, the church being made even different than the temple of Jerusalem. Uh, if you think back to the Old Testament, uh, they, they struggled so much with the tabernacle and the temple and the Ark of the Covenant and this whole idea of it, God being so holy that we were not worthy to be in His presence. And this sense of fear and the, the Ark of the Covenant being something that you can't touch and the Holy of Holies that you can't go into. And there's this sense of like, you can't, you can't, you can't. And now he says, you, you, us, God's people are what? We are being built together as what? The spiritual house. That we're being connected. We're not set out. He's going to go farther, but we are being built into the spiritual house. So very different than the temple of Jerusalem that they would have been uh, understanding of. He says, you're being built together. You are being connected. And I want to tell you, we're going to come back to this at the end. But uh, in the book of Matthew, it says, the wise man built his house upon the rock, right? Uh, if you look in the book of Ephesians, he, he has this picture of us being connected one to another. I want to tell you, this is why the body of Christ is so important. Is that he is taking living, uh, I want to say it this way. If, if he's talking about you, a living stone. I want to say a common living stone common living stone. I, I want to say, maybe that common's not the right word, a redeemed living stone. It doesn't talk about our rejection here, but th- that's the reality too, right? Jesus was looked at. He was precious and chosen. He was tossed aside by the builder. Uh, the builder does that to us too, right? People look at us all the time and say, you're worthless. To which we say, I am not worthless. Well, I kind of am, but I don't like thinking about it. But what, because of Christ, he takes us and he, he makes us worthy and, and able and fitted one to another. I, I want to tell you that that's the, the critical nature of your involvement here at church. I, I realize that many of you have not grown up. In, in a sense of saying, I really want to be connected to a local church. But I, I want to tell you, that's the New Testament. There's no, there's no place in the Bible for uh, Christians who hang out at home. <laughs> just our family. It, it just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. They're connected with believers, local believers in their, uh, you know, it's not that, you know, I, 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 uh, I know some people who live in uh, San Francisco. That's probably a bad example. Uh, uh, Sacramento who go to church, and that's the church I really am a part of. And I want to tell you, no, it's where you are. It's who you're with. It's the people you're living with. So we're connected one to another. This is what God is doing. 
This afternoon, I get to uh, share with the Awana kids. I'm going to talk about what Christ said, I will build my church. That's what he's doing today. Are we a part of it? Are we a part of it? Or is it just a hobby or a thing that we do if we have time? <coughs> well, as it goes on, he, he describes how these living stones, like living stones, we are going to be, and we are being built together as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. And as they're reading this, you see their you know, minds blown, right? Smoke's coming. A holy priesthood? This is something so revolutionary to the, the hearers that they're thinking back to the Old Testament and they're thinking about the priesthood and how many priests there were, were and, and who got to go where and, and how often they got to go there and you know who gets to come before God and who's allowed. And, and they're thinking, oh, that's only the special people. You know, they're, 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 there's only really one, but there's other people that get to go a little further. Like there's people who get to participate, but, but not the common person. And he says this, to you who have trusted in Christ, you are part of the holy priesthood. And, and you go, wait a minute. That doesn't seem right. I don't seem holy enough. I want to say you're not holy enough. But because of what Christ has done, he has made you holy where you could not be. And so he's made us this holy priesthood. He is not like the Old Testament, but like the New Testament. (coughs) It's not about a, a certain number of people, but Peter saw all the believers as priests that could approach God directly. Listen to that. God wanted us to know that you, not because of a priest, not because of a church, not in a certain location, but that you can approach God directly. Um, Let me take a step back, and I realize that most of us are people who have lived our whole life in the United States of America And we've been told that we are great our whole lives. And we're special. And that we get to go before judges and presidents. And we're just as good as, like, it's just common. Everyone's, you know, on the same level. And so sometimes we think about, well, if everyone's on the same level, so is God. He's on our level too. And that we can walk up to him anytime we want and, you know, bring our complaints and tell him what what he's doing wrong or right. And we feel real common with that. And yet, as you read the Old Testament especially, God's describing how different he is than us. And he's showing his holiness over and over again. And uh, his holiness highlights man's inability and his unworthiness to approach God. And so now... To, to see that Christ has come to save sinners and make them holy and to make them fit, each and every one of them, to the priesthood that they might approach God directly, to go into his holy presence, not on the basis of their own life, but because of what Jesus has done. He talks about the the spiritual house. He talks about the holy priesthood. And now he says this holy priesthood (coughs) 
is about, listen, uh, it says, you yourselves are being built uh, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to do what? To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. That your life worthy and your worship brought before God is now accepted, accepted. That, that you come and you offer sacrifices and he doesn't say, get that out of here. It's unworthy of me. But he says, I accept it. Uh, as I already shared, this is not on the basis of us being great people. But as it concludes this thought, he says, <coughs> through Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ. So you get this picture, Jesus Christ, the living stone that was rejected, rejected by the builders. We, we can't use it, can't use it. He doesn't fit. Was precious and chosen, precious and chosen, that living stone. And what does he take? Now us living stones, and he takes us and uses us, fits us together to be his holy house. He, he remakes us that we could now... Uh, not have to go through a priest or through some kind of sacrifice, but that he says, you can do that. You can come directly. You can come worship directly through Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, because of what Christ has done. Which brings us now to verse 6, the two stone responses. We look at verse 6, and uh, a lot here, and I won't do it justice this morning, but uh, there's enough here to understand this. Verse 6, it says, For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying uh, in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever uh, believes in him will not be put to shame. He's quoting uh, the Old Testament. He's got a couple more quotes in here (coughs) going back. This idea, for it stands in Scripture, is this idea that he is going back and building upon he is giving us connection to what is all, God has already revealed. And w- what is he revealing? That he is bringing Jesus, Jesus uh, to be this stone, uh, this stone in Zion. Uh, Zion being the, the holy city, the Jerusalem, uh, connected definitely with the temple. And he's bringing this stone and it, it, he uses now the word cornerstone. We see that also in other places in Scripture, I think specifically of Ephesians. <coughs> but this idea of being a cornerstone. There's two different words here um, in my translation that I'm using this morning. Uh, they both are translated cornerstone. You have one in verse 6 and then one at the end of verse 7. Uh, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Let me let me talk about those um, for a moment. For the first one, there are two different words or two different usages. The first one is the idea of the big rock uh, on a corner near the foundation. It's the one that will kind of everything will be off of. Okay, it's getting that one stone right 
and then all your walls will come off there and will be straight because they're connected to that one rock. It's, it's kind of the one that needs to be settled. So all the smaller ones and that, you know, you're kind of fitting them all together with that one uh, kind of at the corner of one of the corners of the building. Um, the second word, also translated <coughs> cornerstone, and both of these words have the idea of holding it all together, holding it all together. The second word, though, um, in some translations, it even uses the word capstone, capstone. <coughs> um, the, the second word is really the literal translation would be head of the corner, okay? Head of the corner, or uh, sometimes used of the idea of an apex, okay? And and the idea is, is this one uh, stone or one rock that will fit it together and once again, hold it together, having a special place so the building would stay strong. You can see why these words were used of Jesus, can't you? Um, in fact, the second one, it, it, find a, it kind of um, is interesting to me because uh, if you can picture, um, you know, they're fitting this building together and they're putting these rocks together to make this building. And uh, they come to the end and they go, we need one more to kind of hold it all together, hold it all together. And you see this, this rock, this rock that would fit perfectly, that would, would bring the completion or the, the piece that slides right in and, and knots it all together. What is that rock? It's the one rejected. It's the one rejected. It's the, the builders who thought they were so smart initially that they tossed it aside. And as they tossed it aside, God was doing his work. And he says, dude, that, that one right there. That's got a special spot. It's got a special spot. It's going to fit perfectly. It's going to be the one that we need. Uh, this is who Jesus is. And there's two responses <coughs> to, to this stone, this cornerstone. Once again, in verse 6, he says, chosen and precious, chosen and precious. And I, I want you to see that, that God the Father in His infinite plan, He looked at His Son Jesus and He says, chosen and precious. And our response, there's going to be two responses that we can have to this stone, chosen and precious. We can either agree with God the Father in His plan and saying, yes, Jesus is the one, is the one, and he is precious to me. He is intrinsically precious. He is the one that I need. I, I long for him. Or the second response is just simply to reject him. And I, I say just simply to reject him. There's implications of that. We're going to see that right now. Let's look at it. <coughs> He's already spoken of this rejection. But in verse 6, he says, for the and uh, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. There will be a sense of confidence and security. Verse 7, though, uh, so, so the honor is for you who believe, but, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builder rejected has become the cornerstone, that capstone, that, that piece that fits perfectly, that piece that was needed. That's the stone that the builder rejected. 
Verse 8, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Uh, We don't have a whole lot of data there of what that means, but this is that Jesus is a problem if you don't accept him. He's a problem. He's more than a, 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 a speed bump in the road. He ruins, he, he ruins a good party. He ruins your day. He, he's the thing that you don't want to deal with. He's the, the irritant of your soul. He's the one that ruins your plans for sin because it doesn't fit. And so there's a sense of hatred and anger towards Jesus. Why? Because he is the, the thing that doesn't fit in your life. Not everyone will accept Jesus. Not everyone will will come to him. Not everyone will repent. And so we see these two responses to Jesus. And I I realize, I I want you to know, there's only two. There is only two. There's either an acceptance or a rejection of Jesus. He is either the one who makes your life fit together or he is the stone of stumbling and a rock of offense for you. And then he, he concludes this section by saying, they stumble because they disobey the word. They don't want to obey. They don't want to have their life fall in line. They don't want to respond in faith to the message of the word as they were to do. <coughs> to say it this way, it's the just end of rejection of Christ. Now, uh, we could talk a lot longer on that, but I won't this morning. I shared with you earlier that in the book of Ephesians, there's this similar picture of connection, of being built. And uh, in the book of Matthew, it talks about a, a similar picture of the wise man builds his house upon a rock. You get this picture, right? What are you doing? What is your response to Jesus? He, he's the living stone. He's the living stone. He's the one, the cornerstone that everything should be fitted to. He's the capstone, the one that everything comes together in. He, that's who he is. And, and this morning, as we come to conclusion in our time, I, I think about uh, a children's song. I think about a children's song. Some of you don't know it, and I'm sad for you right now. Cedarmont Kids, go home, look it up. Uh, they're a wonderful, wonderful group of songs. But it talks about a wise man. And it says, the wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built it. You got it? You know, I, I won't go through the whole thing. But he uh, says, wise man built. And then it says, and the rains came down. The floods came up. Um, and, uh, and it says of the wise man who built his house upon the rock, and when, when the rains came, the house on the rock stood firm. And then it also says that the foolish man built his house upon the sand. And it goes on. And the rains came down and the floods, and then it gets really exciting at this point. And the house on the sand went splat. That's what happens. And it, it, it's a cute little song. I remember... Uh, learning it as a child. Unfortunately, I grew up. Unfortunately, 
I don't need that song anymore because I see it in my life and the lives of others. When Christ is in the middle of what I am doing and that I'm building my decisions and thoughts and family and marriage upon, it, it stands strong no matter what. Because Christ is at the center. But when I don't, what happens? And, and when the people around me don't, what happens? You know, I, I don't need examples, but I have them, uh, of what it looks like when we're foolish about the way we're living and building our lives. <laughs> you can write your own uh, chorus or your own um, verse to that cute little kid's song. The foolish man built his house upon his career. Foolish man built his house, that's not very good, upon his pride, about himself, on his great ideas, on his Mercedes, or his Kia, Saturn. Foolish man built his house upon simply what he wanted. I just wanted it. Foolish man built his house upon his politics. He thought he was smart. He was from the right party. And he was trying to make something great again and (laughs) give away somebody's money or something like that. Take from the rich, give to the poor. Foolish man built his house upon anything other than Jesus. And it went splat. And it went splat. Thank you. It's sad when you're in California, California churches, and people don't say amen. Thank you. Um, I just want to end with that. Uh, there is one of the verses that says, uh, so build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. Not very complicated, is it? Uh, when you think of your life, when you think of what's going on in your home, what's going on in your heart, what's going on in your marriage, when you say, well, marriage is hard. Yeah, when you want to be selfish all the time. And what's great is the other person wants to be selfish too. Two selfish people trying to be selfish together. That's going to work. You need a bigger house. Maybe two houses. Uh, you, not, not the two of you living in there. But you can complain about each other to whoever. You know, like it, I want to tell you. I want to tell you. It's, it's whatever, whatever you're not, whatever you're placing your trust in other than Jesus isn't going to work. So build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. Please pray with me. God, thank you for this morning. And God, I ask that you do your work in your church and the lives of, in our lives. God, uh, there's, it's a funny thing that we are individuals, that we have different lives, different homes, and yet you're fitting us together uh, into your son Jesus, that, that he being the most important 
<laughs> the one that we should line our lives up with and also the one who fits us all together. God, we, we need him. And uh, God, we reject him in so many ways and uh, we want to keep separate and private. God, help us to not do that and to convict us of that and that your spirit would work in us to draw us to yourself. Help us to um, trust in you in the big and the small areas of our lives. Uh, Glorify yourself in your church, we pray in Jesus' name.